0: In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. Opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. It was a pretty weird kind of of story to have but it became clear that we don't want to jump too quickly to the grown-up Jesus that we want to remember what's important about the the baby the incarnation and and the word for us was that we have to grow we have to learn we have to develop just as Jesus did for 30 years before he came into his fullness. And the most important thing that it says we had to grow in was wisdom. For that revelation of God, that knowing that comes from God, that knowing who God is, that knowing who we are meant to be, that understanding that says this is the way to walk if you want to live. Unconditional love, promise of life, Receiving and growing in the wisdom of God. And now we come to Epiphany Sunday. And guess what? What do we have? Wise men. Wisdom. Wise men. Oh, you say that. Wise men. You're not going to say it. Yeah, I know. So, what kind of wise men are these? Alright? I hate to break the news to some of you, they are not kings. Uh, the tradition has turned them into kings from a foreign land, but they're magi, wise men, ancient astrologers, uh, precursors to astronomers, scientists who would observe the stars in their mo- movements and figure out that uh, it means this for our world. So, They've been observing this star in the sky and they believe that it is predicting the birth of the king of the Jews. Now they are probably Persian, this is what most scholars think, and Zoroastrians. Just another religion, don't worry about it. So the wise men have a hypothesis. And as scientists, they want to go find the child because they want to see if their hypothesis is true, if it's accurate. That's what scientists do. They have to take the test to its conclusion. So if you want to find the king of the Jews, where do you go? You go to Judah. And so they go to Herod, who is the ruler of Judah, and they say, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? Now, this is news to Herod. And the reason that Herod is frightened and upset by it is not that God is being born, but that if this is the Jewish Messiah, then this king is going to lead a revolt, bring the people back to glory, and he's going to lose his power and his place. That's what he's scared of, is what this means for him being in charge. And so, Herod calls together the Jewish leaders and say, Hey, where where is this Messiah of yours, this king? Where is he born? And they say, Oh, well, scriptures say in Bethlehem of Judea. Clearly, they don't know that he has been born. Or they would be there. They would be on there. I mean, all of the leaders would be there. No, they don't know. And so, Herod says now to the scientist wise men, Tell you what? You go on now to Bethlehem, you, you see if you're right, and if you are right, you come back and let me know. Now, I think maybe maybe Herod said, let me, let me make it worth your while, here's some gold and some frankincense and myrrh, and there's more for you when you come back with the news. I don't know, I just made that up. So off the wise men go, and when they get to Bethlehem, they see the baby, and what they see is the face of God. They have not just seen an answer to their question in their hypothesis, but they have seen for themselves And been able to recognize that this in fact is God in the flesh. Now, there are a couple things I think this means for us and in our faith journeys and for the year ahead. And the first thing is really this. We don't know what or who or where or why or when we might encounter the living god i mean there's always this possibility that through a strange circum of a, a, a strange set of circumstances we might come face to face with the living god uh, Herod sends these wise men. These wise men are just on some sort of scientific expedition, and lo and behold, they have an encounter with the living God. I saw a video, a viral video this week, of a UPS driver who was a temporary driver, and he dropped a package at a house he'd been to before that apparently had had a little sign in the yard, and he stopped at the video camera and he said, I know you just had a little baby. I just had a little baby. I hope you're doing well. I hope the baby's well. God bless you. That's all. You maybe saw it. That's that's the whole video. And yet it went viral. And yet UPS hired the guy permanently. There is something about compassion, kindness, goodness. When you take these moments that seem insignificant and someone might just experience the living God out of that moment, which means that we should always have this expectation that someone might see something in us, someone who is a scientist, someone who is in authority, someone who doesn't believe, they might see something in and through what we do and who we are. But if, as well, we don't know when, who, where, how, why an epiphany moment might happen, then the question becomes, are you and I prepared in expecting that our life circumstances are going to lead us right now to an encounter with the living God? I wonder how many of us got up this morning and said, oh goody, I'm about to have an encounter with the living God. Or how many of us got up this morning and said, oh, time to go to church. And then, and we, you know, did our routine, breakfast, shower, we get in the car at a certain time, we drive, we park in a certain parking place. In the parking lot, we sit in certain pews. That's how I know who's here, because you're in your pews. You don't move around. And then we expect a certain order to the worship, and then we know about what time it ends, and we know what we're going to do afterwards. We're going through motions, and we're probably not really saying, gee, I'm going to come to church, and I am going to encounter and experience the living God on this day. But the the center and heart of our faith should be an expectation that today, I will see and experience the living God in our midst. There's probably a reason, and maybe we can push back against it a little bit, why we don't have this sense that we're about to encounter the living God. And part of it has to do with what I've just mentioned, and that is that our brains are wired to go on autopilot. Now, I know everyone in here who drives has had this experience where you're driving home from work or you're driving home from a friend or family's house or whatever, and you get to a stoplight and you're like, Wait a minute, I don't even remember the last mile. I don't remember getting off the highway. Why? Because our brains are habituated, they are used to this, and they go into autopilot. And if we are in autopilot, guess what? We're going to miss a lot of things. In fact, brain scientist Lisa Genova, who has a recent book called Remember, It's a good book because it talks about how to improve our memory. The first thing she says is we have to pay attention. We have to open ourselves. We have to pay attention to what's happening. I wonder how many God moments we miss simply because we're letting ourselves go into autopilot instead of paying attention and seeing what is in front of us. You see, I think these wise men, these scientists are paying attention. They are designed to pay attention because they're scientists and they want to see if their hypothesis is proven out, but what they end up seeing because they're paying attention is the living God in front of them. And once they see the living god once they see the baby for who he is they go home by another road you see, this is the thing about encountering God, having an experience of God, is we are changed by it and we can't go back to the old things and the old ways we've done before. We may want to stay in the same comfortable routines, but if God has appeared and God has, has touched us deeply, we are now set further along the path in a different way. And some of you know this, if you've ever listened to me preach or been in one of my Bible studies, sometimes I will take something that you've already known or always known, and suddenly I say, yeah, but look at this. And you can't go back to where you've been. That's what an epiphany, that's what meeting God does to us. It pushes us further along the, uh, the road toward who God wants us to be, who God has created us to be, and who God is in our world. A God of love, a God of life, a God of wisdom that we need to encounter. Again and again and again. As we begin 2022, you know we have a new theme for the year. Uh, we began several years ago with grateful, to be grateful people. Then we moved into being faithful people. And this last year, we needed to be hopeful This year, Pastor Brian and I have talked, and our theme for the year is Fruitful. Now, don't think of fruitful as simply being this idea that we do things and we give things. Because you can't be fruitful if you're not connected to the vine. Did you hear me? You cannot bear fruit if you are not connected to the vine which means that we need to open ourselves to the love, the wisdom, the power of God every day. In places we don't expect it, in ways we don't expect it, we need to be attentive and open to the fact that God might be about to do something and we might see an epiphany in our own lives. This is our year to be fruitful people. This is our year to carry the meaning and the message of Christmas, of the incarnation of God with us always, everywhere. Carry it through this whole year because you just might see the very face of God In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen